0: Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Amen. (coughs) I wanna continue with the theme that we've been exploring the last few weeks about our spiritual abilities to to see and to hear and to understand. And I want to start by looking at some verses from last week's reading which open up uh, this week's, will serve to open this week's reading. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter 29 and we'll look at verses 2 through 4 first. Moses summoned all the Israelites and he said to them, your eyes have seen. Say that with me. Your eyes have seen. Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to all his land. With your own eyes you saw. Say that with me. With your own eyes you saw. So you, do you notice the repetition here? That's a way of drawing our attention to a point of focus, a theme that is being developed. Your eyes have seen your eyes have seen. You saw with your own eyes, you saw those great trials, those signs and great wonders. Verse 4, but to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart that understands, or eyes that see, or ears that hear. Now there's a difference between the eyes that see in verse 4, and the eyes that we just read about earlier. The eyes that were used to see these things that happened were physical eyes. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did. You, you physically saw with your own eyes what God did. With your own eyes, you saw those great trials, those signs, and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord hasn't given you a heart that understands or eyes that see. What are those eyes? spiritual eyes, or ears that hear, spiritual ears. So you have a physical capacity, physical senses, and there are parallel spiritual senses. And every one of us is born with those, but they have to be nurtured and developed. We can learn from this that the experience of miracles that God performed was important, but it wasn't enough. The miracles and the experience by themselves are insufficient. The miracles that we see, the experiences that we have of God at work in our lives, these are not guarantees of transformation. And this is contrary to some of the theories of revival and renewal that are popular in the uh, spirit-filled world today, both Messianic and Christian. Because many people say we just need breakthroughs of miracles. We just need more healings. We just need this and that. Then people will turn. Well, we do need more healings. Why? Because people are sick. People have physical problems and we want to see them healed. But the truth is people can experience and they can see Others experience miracles from God, great deliverance from the Lord, and they themselves are not transformed. That's what Moses is talking about. You saw this. You experienced this. You were there when it happened. It was incontrovertible to you that it was God at work. You were slaves, and now you got set free. You were trapped at the Red Sea, and you came through because the Lord parted that sea, gave dry ground for you to walk on, and then delivered you from the Egyptians when they tried to follow after you. You've seen water. You've seen manna. You've seen miracles of so many different kinds. You have seen this, and yet you're still the same. You haven't changed. You haven't changed because your heart is not processing these things correctly. Your eyes don't see them correctly in a spiritual way. Your ears don't hear things in a spiritual way. How we interpret and how we understand, how we process, how we see things, the way that we hear it and all of this is actually essential. The experience of miracles without a heart that's open, without eyes that see and ears that hear, that experience of miracles may not change anything. It is essential to have such a heart, to have eyes that see and ears that hear. Essential meaning absolutely necessary, not important, absolutely important, indispensable. I like the Latin phrase, sine qua non, without which nothing. If you experience miracles but your heart is hard, you get no lasting benefit. You're not transformed in your relationship with God. It's essential for us to have hearts that understand, eyes that see, and ears that hear. And it's true that each one of us is born with this capacity, but it's also true that we need to develop our capacity. And even though we have an innate capability, we need to use our capacities, our spiritual capacities, in order to develop them. One of the ways to develop spiritual eyes And spiritual ears and spiritual hearts and minds is to ask good questions. And I want to give some examples of some good questions we can ask. One of the questions we can ask is is like this. We say to the Lord, what is going on in my life that I don't know how to understand, I don't know how to interpret? You can ask that yourself and you can ask of the Lord. You can say, Lord, what am I not seeing or what am I not understanding correctly? You can say to the Lord, you know, this thing that's happening, I don't understand why it's happening. Now, that question can be asked a couple of ways. We can say, why, which is really a form of the word, why. <laughs> we go, why is this happening? Or, And what it sounds like in the spirit is this, "Wow, wow, wow." you know? <laughs> we're fetching. We're complaining. We're whining to God. That's one way of asking. It's not really asking. It's really just uttering a complaint. But there's another way. It's not a rhetorical question we ask the Lord. It's a sincere question. Lord, I don't understand why. When we ask that question, we put ourselves at risk of getting an answer. And some of you have had that experience where you ask the Lord, why is this happening? And he says, I'll tell you why. And it's humbling to find out the answer. In the same way, we can say, Lord, I don't understand what this means. And we can express that in the same way. One as a wine and the other is a legitimate question. We can say, Lord, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Here's the situation, what am I supposed to do? The Lord can answer such questions when they're sincere. We can say, Lord, I don't even understand how I'm supposed to feel about this. I, I had an experience I shared last night when I was um, pastoring... As a young man, I had a mentor, David Young, and we he lived in uh, another city far away, but we would talk by phone for a couple of hours every week. And, and we would dialogue about what I was doing and how I was doing it, and he would coach me and encourage me, and it was just so useful. Uh, he was a wonderful listener and able to capture the heart of what I was saying it it turns out that if you can actively listen to people with real attention and you can distill and crystallize what they're saying and then the feelings associated with it and you communicate that back to them and you get it right it's healing for people. To be heard is healing. To be understood is healing. To have someone who gets it is healing. It's really therapeutic. And in, in the same way, it's, it's not all that helpful if you don't get it right. I, I've had that experience. I, I've listened to Sandy at times, and she's listened to me, and, and she'll say something, and I'll say, oh, so what you're saying is... And she'll say, no, n- not that at all. That's not it. And there was a time when I'd say, well, yeah, it is. You said this, this, and this. But that doesn't help. <laughs> How many can verify? Yeah. What helps is to keep going and to say, well help me, t- say it in another way, help me understand. And then to listen with enough concern and activity that you can hear it and, and capture it. And, and I've had that experience of getting it wrong the first time and then listening carefully again and getting it correct and being able to say to Sandy, oh, so I think you're, this is what you're saying. And when she says, yes, that's it, (laughs) then I understand that I got it. There are times when in talking with people about challenges they're facing, if, if you can distill or crystallize what they're saying and what they're feeling together, and they go, yes, exactly you know that you're understanding what they're talking about. And the Lord has a way of listening to us. The challenge is we have to develop our capacity to listen to him. And so we have to learn how to, how to communicate to him and how to tell him what we think he's saying and what we don't understand. It is a wonderful thing to say to the Lord, I think I understand this, and I think I understand this, but I don't get the other parts, or even to say, Lord, I don't have a clue. How am I supposed to feel? Well, one day I was talking to my mentor, David, and I was telling him about a challenging person that I was uh, pastoring, and I said, you know, this guy, he he's so hard. He he shows up and then he disappears. He's around for a little while and then you can't find him. And it seems like you know we're we're drawing close and then it's all broken. And I'm just tired of chasing him down. I'm tired of just running after him. And this is what I expected. Cuz David has strong empathetic skills. I expected him to capture and distill what I was saying and to play it back you know, yeah, I know. It sounds like you're just feeling frustrated because this is a difficult person. And I was going to go, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he was going to say some more empathetic things and really capture it and really, he was going to say what I was saying. That's what I wanted. But that's not what happened. He heard me. He understood what I was saying. He knew the feelings I was saying. And he said to me, That's a rotten attitude. Yeah, he was my mentor. And he said, That's a really rotten attitude. That doesn't sound like the heart of a shepherd. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I need to answer another telephone call. Could somebody (laughs) call me? That's not what I wanted. It's what I needed. And so there are times when we express what we need to so that we can receive what we need to, but what we may need may not be what we want. How many can relate to that? And when it comes to the Lord, there are times when we need to hear something back from the Lord that is a correction. It is even in the form of a rebuke. But it's never meant for harm, it's always meant for good. Not only can God speak to us that way, he can use trusted people who themselves are close with the Lord and authentic with the Lord, who study the scriptures and fellowship with the Lord and walk with the Lord. He can use them to communicate to us things that we're not hearing for ourselves. We may think that we know how to feel about a situation. But we may have our feelings all mixed up. They may not be right at all. Now with that in mind, let's go to this week's Torah portion, chapter 29 of Deuteronomy, but verses 10 through 13 in English, 9 through 12 in the Hebrew. Because this is a continuation of the idea. Moses has been saying, you've seen God at work. And yet, you haven't been transformed. And you need three things. You need eyes that see in the Spirit. You need ears that hear in the Spirit. You need a heart that understands spiritually so that you can go forward. Without these things, you'll be stuck. And so Moses then summons everybody to stand before him, and he points out some things that they may not be noticing because he wants them to have spiritual eyes. He talks about some things they may not be paying attention to because he wants to adjust their spiritual capacity. And this is what he says, Today you are standing, all of you, before the Lord your God. The heads, your leaders, your tribes, your your officers, all the men of Israel, So look around and see who's here. That's what Moses is saying. All the men of Israel, but also the little ones, your little kids, your wives, and your foreigners, those who weren't native-born, are here with you in the camp. Even the one who chops your wood and the one who draws your water. Now here's the purpose. Verse 12 The purpose is that you should enter into the covenant of the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God is making with you today. So that. Say that with me. So that. So that he can establish you today for himself. And that word establish, that phrase, uh, so that um, he can establish you, laman Hakim for the sake of establishing you, of raising you up, of stabilizing you, of causing you to be standing solidly so that you can remain standing. That's the essence. You're standing here, but the Lord wants to do something so that you can really stand, and you can be established and set in place and to stand and to remain standing, it's similar to the idea about standing that's expressed in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, where Paul, having instructed about spiritual warfare and the weapons that are spiritual, says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to keep standing. He's telling the children of Israel it's good to be standing at the beginning of difficulty. What's really important is to be standing at the end of the difficulty and all the way through it and you need to learn how to do that. That's the same sentiment that Moses is communicating. You're standing here for the moment but you need to learn how to stand with God and how to be established with God. So that he can establish you today for himself as a people. And so that for you, he will be God. You see, he is God. But for you, he needs to be God. It's one thing to say, I believe in God. It's another thing to say, he is my Lord. He has a relationship with me that is authoritative. He can speak in an authoritative way to me. As he said to you and as he swore to your ancestors, to Avraham, to Yitzchak, and to Yaakov. You see, Moses is expressing the purpose of the gathering as a covenantal purpose that's meant to produce stability in each person's life, their life of faith and their life of faithfulness. And he's communicating to the children of Israel that they need to see things and take certain things to heart. And he starts with something that's very subtle. He says, look around and notice who's here. And I would say the same thing to you. Look around and notice who's here. Moses says there's a lot of diversity He he wants the children of Israel to develop their spiritual capacities, and so he instructs them to pay attention to the, the diversity around them, and he points it out concretely. He says, there are leaders here. There are the chiefs of all the tribes. All the men of Israel are here, but not just the men. The women are here, too. Not just the adults, the children are here too. Not just the Jews, but people from all different nations who have joined themselves with us. Not just the people who have high status, but people who have no status. Who do work that earns them no social standing, but they're just as important. And they're all here, look around, they're all here. That's what Moses is saying. Look around and see. See this diversity and then recognize that all those people are important to God. Every one and all kinds are important. The idea of, of taking notice of this is so that we can say to the Lord, okay, all these kinds of people are here, all ages. What does that mean? Well, one of the things it means is old people have to like young people. One of the things it means is young people have to value old people. One of the things it means is that men have to get along with each other and not just fight each other. But it also means men and women need to be together and it means it's not just a Jewish thing, it's a Jewish thing that is expansive to include people who were not born as Jews but have joined themselves to the community of God. The Lord wants the people to notice that kind of diversity, but he also wants them to have hearts that appreciate it. Because, you know, people could look around and say, man, I want people just like me. I want to hang out with a homogeneous people group. And to them, I would say, well, go lock yourself in a closet with a mirror. (laughs) And then you'll see all the kinds of people who are just like you. (laughs) It's wonderful to get along with people. It's wonderful to have people like you. It's wonderful to have friends your age and, and, and so forth. But we don't have to be limited to those who are similar to us. In fact, if we do limit ourselves, we will miss out on God's covenantal purposes and his eternal purposes. Moses says, that he wants the children of Israel to take careful notice, not just of what's going on in the present, but of the past. And to help them, he, he points in that direction and, and he says, remember what God has promised. Remember what he said. Remember the oath that he's made. Remember the covenant. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And it's a way of saying to the children of Israel, remember this, there are others who have gone before us. We haven't blazed the path. We didn't get here on our own. Others have uh, gone before us and we're continuing on a path that others have pioneered. We have a past that's really important to us. Remember your ancestors. And remember God's prophetic promises to them. Remember this. Look back and remember. And then Moses wants the children of Israel to take careful notice of the future, and so he points it out because he wants them to look ahead, to look forward. In verse 14 in English, he says I'm not making this covenant and this oath only with you. Rather, I'm making it both with the one who's standing here with us today before the Lord our God, and also with the one who's not here with us today. And the following verses, which are speaking about children and grandchildren, and those who haven't even been born yet, make it really clear that he's talking about those who are yet to come. And he's saying, think about not just yourselves and not just the present, but think about the future and the impact you're going to have on the future. Be faithful now. Pass on all that you can. Take to heart what God is doing. Live for God. Teach others to live for God. But remember this, there is a future. And God is moving forward and He wants you to go with Him and He wants you to bring others with you. You're not going alone. You didn't get here alone and you're not going alone. It's a powerful, powerful way of speaking. And in this way, Moses is is trying to open up the hearts of the people and the eyes of the people and the ears of the people so that they'll see what's important. This diversity is not an accident. The diversity is a reflection of what God is wanting to do. It's not something that just dropped out of the sky because two people prayed for it or someone had an idea, let's start something like this. It's because God has been at work, he is at work, and he will be at work in this direction. It's not just a temporary idea, it's part of a covenant that God has made. A covenant with the world that starts with the Jewish people and expands to all the nations of the world. And when we see this, we're not to be neutral about it. We need to ask the right questions. Lord, what attitude do you want me to have? What perspective? How should I understand these things? What role do you want me to take in this? Do you remember the Apostle Paul? He thought he had it figured out. I know the role I'm supposed to take. I need to beat down those Messianic Jews. I'll go chasing after them town to town, find them and I will be the sheriff. That's how he thought. And one day on one of his journeys, the Lord said, hey boss. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was an amazing moment that ended up with Paul being on the ground and hearing a spiritual voice saying, Shaul, Shaul, because his name wasn't really Paul. You know, Shaul, Saul. Shaul, Shaul, why are you persecuting me? To which Shaul says, Who are you? And this voice, this disembodied voice, speaks in Hebrew according to the book of Acts, chapter 26, speaks in Hebrew and says, Ani Yeshua.
1: Well, that's not good
0: news. <laughs> but it was life transforming. <laughs> and the one who thought he understood his role in his place, Shaul, had to become transformed. He had to take this to heart. God wanted Paul, wanted Saul. He just had a different role and function and purpose still committed to God, still a Jew, but not hostile and combative, now supportive and equipping. And it was life transforming because he took it to heart. When you take to heart what God is doing, the diversity of ages, of of backgrounds, of education, of, of social standing, of economics, when you take all this to heart and you say, that's a good thing that God's doing, And you say, I'm going to value all those kinds of people myself. I'm going to to reach out to them. I'm going to treat them as if they're important to God because they are important to God. I'm not going to complain about the diversity. I'm going to celebrate it. But what unites us is that our hearts are focused in the same direction to one God, the God of Israel, redeemed by one Messiah, the Messiah of Israel but united into a new kind of people, a new covenantal form of Israel that has the Torah in the heart, not just external, and that loves relating to God, to hearing God and all of his authority, all of his majesty, all of his goodness, and then putting into practice what he says. And that is so welcoming to others that, that we say, Come on in, anybody from anywhere. The God of Israel's is looking for you. He's waiting for you. That's really the message of the Haftorah. The Haftorah message, which we will not look at today, but you should, is a message that goes, you know, like this, we got great news. It looked bad, but it turns out good. In fact, the rest of the Torah portion is something like that, going to, uh, Deuteronomy 30, you'll find yourself like at the ends of the earth in a lot of trouble. You start remembering, wow, God has blessings and curses. You'll take this to heart. You'll turn to the Lord and he'll, he'll do whatever he has to to bring you to him. When your heart is open to him, what's required of us that we open up our hearts and that our hearts become circumcised and you cannot circumcise your heart but you can want it circumcised. You can say to the Lord, I need to change, I need a new heart, and he can do it. He can give it to you. He won't do it if you don't want it. But you can't do it yourself. But this is what produces part of the impetus that causes us to go to God and say, God, I want to be different. I really want to be different. I can't make myself different in all the ways I need. I need you to give me a new heart. And when we do one of the hardest human things to do, which is to say to someone, I'm wrong. When we say that to God, I'm wrong. It's not just that I made mistakes or misunderstood. I sinned. I sin. When we say that to God and we come clean and we're honest with him, you know what? He's waiting for us. And when we say, I don't even know how to make things right. And he says, well, I've got a provision for that. You know all those atoning sacrifices I taught Israel about? Well, they're brought into fullness through the sacrifice of Yeshua. You know how the temple system came to an end? I didn't leave you hanging. I provided a sacrifice once for all. I took on a human body, the Lord says and became a kinsman redeemer for you because you couldn't do it yourself and nothing else would do. And when we say, Lord, that's enough. It is enough. I want to follow you. Then he starts commanding us. He starts exercising authority, some of which we are happy to receive and some of which we're not. But when we do it, it, be, it brings good fruit and joy. There's an old teaching of wisdom about the holidays. And it's this, it's better to get ready than to wait to the end. It's better to come clean with God before so that you can come in honest with God rather than try to wait for the last moment. And so I want to encourage you, use the rest of today, use tonight, use tomorrow to get ready. I hope you have been doing that. And come Tomorrow night and come Monday and say, Lord, I just want to be honest with you. I don't, want ex- I don't want to make excuses. I want to make a difference. And I need your help. I need you to be my king. I need your covenant so that I can follow you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. That you are forever and currently and in the future good. That you are alive and you are merciful, that you know us and that you call us to come clean with you, to come close to you. We open our hearts to you We want our hearts to understand. We we ask, Lord, for eyes that see, for ears that hear, that we can know how to interpret, how to process all that's in front of us. We ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? Thank you, Cantor Aaron, for coming. He has a friend, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not all by myself. Thank you. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord lift cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you next door for coffee and fellowship. Don't forget, collect your kids.